Aaron and Polly. I'm Aaron. Am I supposed to whisper? Shh. Paul, see, we're recording on Sunday morning. And so I I was going to try and go to church beforehand, but couldn't do it. So I'm sitting in the pew right now while recording. I want to be respectful. (laughs) Now you want to be respectful. Well, they can't hear me. I can talk as loud as I want. (laughs) Good morning, Paul. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So, uh, you know, it seems like this is the part where uh, I would have something clever or banterish to say. I don't. Oh. Um, I, I, I'm not sure I have a story this week, and I feel bad about that. You didn't do anything offensive this week? I really didn't. I really didn't. I mean, you know, but in and of itself is a story. Not true. But, you know, it has been unseasonably cool this week. Huh. You know, now for Texas in August, uh, cool is anything less than 90 degrees. Uh-huh. And, uh, like the highest it's gotten in the last three days is 89 degrees and it's been raining. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it's, <laughs> I feel really guilty when half the nation is on fire, you know, uh, <laughs> it's just unusual. Cause usually, you know, we're, we're either at a hundred degrees or exceed a hundred degrees this time of year and have long since been in the drought. And I'm just, I, I, it's been very, very lovely, you know, for things to be getting green again. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I mean, it's hot as hell here. I just got in from a run, and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> What's the temperature been there? Has it been above above uh, 100? No, no, no. In the 90s. But we we are very, very humid out here. It is not a dry heat, as they say. No, no I guess you're close to the water. Yes. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's, it's hot as hell. Yeah, I'm very sorry, Paul. That's okay. I feel bad. I mean, you really don't, but it's okay. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> well, you know, we actually, um, you know, we're recording on Sunday because, uh, you know, there's been a, a, some fluky scheduling these past couple of weeks with my travel. And, yeah, what's uh, up, Paul? Well, I mean, you know, I was in, if, if you looked at our YouTube channel, you would see I was in California two weeks ago at the Midsummer Scream Halloween convention getting ready for our Halloween coverage this year. Yeah. And again, traveling with people other than me. I, I don't understand what the hell that's all about. Well, I, I mean, to be fair, Kyle is a contributor or has been a contributor to IOM Geek in the but past. But is he me? I mean, is no. he me? No. Yeah. But you don't like scary things. I do like scary things. No. Do you like being scared? I, I, <laughs> I, this this sounds like the setup to a really bad horror film. <laughs> do, you like, do you like being scared, kid? Just like Pee-wee's, uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure? Exactly. exactly. Or uh, what was uh, the Twilight Zone the movie? You want to see something really uh-huh. scary? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. no, I, I really dig horror, and I dig, uh, I, I dig being scared. I like haunted houses, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I am, I am not nearly the horror fan that you are, though. No, you are not nearly the horror fan that I am. Yeah. Now, horror fan. Yeah, a whole different thing. Yeah. I, I am an next level horror fan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh... I am a horror connoisseur. <laughs> <laughs> not the show title by the way <laughs> Ding. Uh, well we wanted to get together this week to talk about two pretty big releases in the world of, of funny books one a movie and one a comic book uh, why don't we start with this week's uh, blu-ray dvd release and actually it came out uh, i think uh, two weeks ago on digital the death right. of superman the new dc animated film that's the, the first part of a two-part series kind of like they did the dark knight returns 
Mm-hmm. And well, so, and it's the it's the second animated treatment of this story, right? Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, pre that yeah. was all it was the first DC animated series and or first DC animated movie in their their line of you know straight to video uh, animated films was Superman Doomsday, and it was rather rather terrible. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, despite the fact that I cried in it, it was uh, <laughs> it was really a very terrible film. Was it when and Lex Luthor mounted his robot Superman? because <laughs> i cried during that part too i uh <laughs> no i i i was uh desperately ill like had been had been home from work for more than two weeks at that time you know fighting off a uh, viral infection and i was i had been running you know high fever for days and days and I, I watched it on the couch, you know, laying there, coming in and out of sleep in the in the scene. And this is the the old one, right? The the one that they did several years back, Correct. and uh, and and cried with, with during the lowest scene, you know, cradling Superman's dead body. And I just remember going, Lois and Clark just never could catch a break. <laughs> oh, Aaron. Yeah, but I mean, you know, in my defense, I hadn't eaten in in several days, and uh, you know, dehydrated. High fever. <laughs> In my defense. In your defense. Well, did you uh, did you cry during this new adaptation of this? Story? I did not. I did not. But I did rather like this uh, new adaptation, particularly in contrast to what we've seen previously. Um, there are some things that that I thought were uh, choices that didn't work particularly well. Um, like I don't understand. I don't understand why they used the new 52 character designs uh, for this film. Yeah. Other than maybe they're trying to sell some toys. And I mean, it really does suggest to me that new 52 was not a, a plan that had a lot of, uh, you know, that there was a, a lot of commitment to it. You know, because this thing's been in development for a long time. These these animated features take a while to, to develop. And, you know, when they developed it, New 52 was still a thing. And I'm sure that at the time they're like, this is the brand we're going with. This is our Superman. Not understanding that, you know, the, the, the bottom was going to fall out of New 52 and that we were going to kind of redesign Superman again, returning him to mostly, you know, 99.9% .9 of original design. Yeah. Um, I think and, and I think this further illustrates that it's just a big mistake to, to do these animated features and just not use the classic designs. You yeah, know? I, I mean, I get that, that we're going for um, a regular continuity with these films. And here's the thing. I, 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 I appreciate the idea. They just, you know, the quality wasn't there. And, no. you know, with with the like you said, with the length of time it takes to make these films. It, 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 you know they they committed to this this continuity a while back and they've been working on it but it's really not connecting with with fans or myself yeah. until yeah. except the batman films and uh, right. quite frankly as far as animated superman films go this is probably the best yeah i would agree there cuz you know really everything else on the animated superman features is pretty terrible yeah except that first bruce tim film that was the pilot for right. the tv show Right, right, um, yeah. You know, this is the genuine, last the only one. Krypton. That was Last Son of Krypton, right? Yes. And that was that was super great. And it was, you know, you're like you're right, it's essentially the three-part pilot for, uh, uh, you know, Superman the Animated Series. And I, don't get me wrong, I love the Superman Animated Series. 
but the Superman animated features just have not been very strong. And I, and I, I think that there are a number of issues around that. Um, I think that, uh, for instance, and, and to, to wrap up our, our commentary on the new 52 aspect of, of this feature, um, the, they use the new 52 character design, but they didn't use anything else. You know, mom and pa Kent are still alive. Um, and acting very much like Ma and Pa Kent from the animated series. And and I don't object to that because I like that. I like that Clark and I like those Kents. Um, but it's just so weird. But they, they did use aspects of the Lois Lane relationship. For instance, uh, Lois and Clark's. Uh, are Lois and Clark are just starting their relationship. So like in the, in the comic in death of Superman, Lois and Clark had been, you know, together for a really long time at that point. Yeah. But in the film, you know, their, their, their relationship is just getting serious. In fact, she had just met his parents and he was reluctant to let her in. And he had only, he only just in the film reveals his identity as Superman. So she didn't even know he was Superman. Um, but, you know, the the uh, the film does some weird things like, you know, in the in the original comic, you had a very different Justice League. Right. You had that. You had that. The the third stringer. Yeah. Uh, the Justice booster League. gold fire. Yeah. You know, those yeah. characters. Blue Beetle, Blue uh, Bloodwind. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, so obviously you're not going to carry those characters forward. You're going to bring in your marquee, you know, current Justice League A team, even though it does include Cyborg. Um, but the the casting of these characters, with the exception of Nathan Fillion as Green Lantern, is not at all inspired. There is I, there is no performance in the film other than Nathan Fillion's that. I felt like really, you know, held on to the uh, the persona of the character. I mean, I love that Rosario Dawson is playing Wonder Woman, but it, unless you, I read her name in the credits, I would not have recognized her voice, nor would I have felt like her performance had any meat to it at all. Yeah, well, and that I felt was, the I, same about this entire crew, honestly. Well, I, I I thought Nathan Fillion was very comfortable as Hal, and of course we've seen him as Hal before. Yeah. Um, and I love him as Hal. Um, but, you know, other than I mean, you know, he, he has, you know, a, a good joke or two in, in the movie. But everybody else's performance is just a little, you know, uh, subpar. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, I would just, agree. And, and you know, yeah. I got to be honest, I thought uh, Jerry O'Connell as Superman was not that great either. Jerry O'Connell as anything is not very good. Fair. I, I mean, I can't. I, I don't. Honestly, I mean, I'm sure he's a he's a very nice man, but I've never seen a performance from Jerry O'Connell that suggested to me that he has any business being an actor. Yeah, I think honestly, um, speaking spe on the voice acting, I didn't care for most of the voice acting. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, Rebecca Romaine, who Jerry O'Connell's real life wife, as yeah. Lois Lane. Rain Wilson as Lex Luthor was was rather not good <laughs> yeah um so well, it's not just the so justice league i thought uh, it, it pretty much carried throughout the film that the the casting of the voices was not that great well and that that is one of the things that just blows me away because uh warner Anim animation used to have such fantastic voice casting and now it just feels like particularly in these features that we just kind of stunt cast and let's get a name despite the fact that they're not a really good voice actor like you know Rebecca Romaine who I still want to call Re Rebecca Romaine Stamus yeah. um <laughs> is 
you know, she is visually stunning on film and she's a fine actress. I always enjoy her in, in, in movies, but her, her ability to act is not in the nuance of her voice. No. And, and that always bugs me about how we cast these films. I really wish that we cast it based on the nuance of voice. Um, I've always felt like, you know, as much as, as, uh, Kevin Conway, Kevin Conway, uh, Kevin Conroy, Conroy. Thank you. Kevin Conroy is our voice of Batman and every, you know, everyone's just like Kevin Conroy. Just, if you're gonna have a Batman, have it be Kevin Conroy. Tim Daly is my Superman. Um, and if you can't get him, I think you've really got to find somebody else with, you know, that sort of, of heroic oomph. In, in, in the timbre of their voice. And yeah, like Jerry uh, O'Connell just is not the guy. No. In fact, you know, with these DC animated films, Superman has been a, a, a tough guy to cast uh, in, in general. But yeah. I do think, um, you know, you had Tim Daly as him. And in the Justice League cartoon, they, they cast another guy uh, at the at the start of it. Yeah. And uh, I don't remember his name off the top of my head. But it, but he seemed very much like a Tim Daly impersonator. Yeah, very much so. So it, yeah. it really wasn't that far off. Uh, George Newbern. Um, yeah. And uh, but in these films, you know, I remember the the Superman Doomsday, the one we were talking about as the previous adaptation of this, had Adam Baldwin of all people yeah. as as Superman, and uh, you know, they outside of Tim Daly, it just hasn't really worked. But yeah. yeah, I think universally the uh, the the casting on this one, and you know, part of it is that Andrea Romano is no longer, uh, you know, with the yeah, with doing, us. yeah, she, yeah, she, yeah, exactly. And she was the casting director, right? I Correct. mean, she was the one who brought all of these wonderful voices to DC Animation or Warner Animation. I, I was surprised, you know, while I was not wild about Rain Wilson, you know, Star Star Trek Discovery's Harry Mudd. Uh, while I was not wild about Harry, uh, <laughs> Harry Mudd, while I wasn't <laughs> wild about Rain Wilson's performance as Lex Luthor, what I was happy about was the cameo of 1990s uh, redhead and bearded Lex Luthor. Yeah, I enjoyed that. And that was that was fun and kind of wish we'd gotten to see more of it. Yeah, you know, I and obviously, obviously that wasn't his, you know, <laughs> clone with an Australian accent. But, uh, you know, it was super fun to see on the screen. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I appreciated the little callbacks, Bibbo being in the film, Bibbo Bivowski. Uh, I, I think that that is one of the few characters that worked for me in this film was Bibbo. Agreed. And yeah. I know we're being harsh on the characters, but I think it's because, um, you know, th those were seen. It, it, there's the film is genuinely good. Like the the the. Um, the action choreography, uh, you know, it's, oh it's directed by Sam Liu and James Tucker and the action choreography, yeah. the story by P is written by Pete Tomasi. So for yeah. the most part, with some notable exceptions, the story works, the direction works. No, I agree. I think that, uh, I, and in particular, I've been super critical uh, in previous DC uh, animated features that the uh, fight choreography is not at all inspired and that the characters really don't occupy their space. You know, it's just like they've walked on to a, uh, a painted mat of a, of a setting and they, they just really don't occupy the space. Uh, and that is not true in this film. 
Uh, I mean, there are some brilliant scenes like where, you know, Doomsday and Superman are fighting in the street and they hit each other so hard that the glass blows out of the windows of yeah. all the surroundings. And I remember buildings. that from the um, from, from the, the comic, from the comic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, I a lot of my regular complaints about DC animated features do not apply here because I think they did a, a really fine job of showing the characters within the environment versus just, you know, the, the shots looking so generic. I mean, I, I felt like this had a directional fingerprint to it. Uh, and I, th- I thought it worked really well. So yeah, Paul and I sound really critical of the film and it's just because we see the places where it could have been better. Yeah. Um, but the, I, I thought it was very entertaining. I, I watched it on, on digital streaming. I bought it about two weeks ago. Um, and I, I just now I'm like, I kind of wish I'd waited for the Blu-ray because I'm sure there's some special features on it that I probably want to see. But I just didn't want to wait. I wanted to see it. I was in a, in a big Superman mood. And uh, I, I, I really did enjoy this film. I, I would give it a solid B plus. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, you know, I, like you said, the 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 stunt or the, the, stunt, the fight choreography was was genuinely good. The action was good. It was emotionally impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and when I said the story has some notable exceptions, I rather hated the end. Uh, you know, I, I the, the with with Superman dying, I wish it had kind of just ended with that scene of Bibbo on the pier, but as opposed to all of the post credit sequences. I actually didn't mind the post credit sequences because they were post credits. I'm more referring right. to the specific right before the credit sequence that shows that Superman's oh. tomb has been broken into, and it's like, can we get like thirty seconds? Yeah, <laughs> like, of, like of a world without Superman. Of a world yeah. without Superman, like you immediately yeah. in the next scene, like literally in the next scene from his death, jump to the the um, you know him him returning, and it's like okay, like give it a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I I, I do feel like we should live more in the horror of the moment. Uh, but I gotta say, you know, I, the I I I, I really enjoyed this film. What I like is that it has set the table for stories we have never seen on uh, on film of any kind, animated or otherwise. Um, we're going to get Reign of the Superman with except, Steel. Except. That's – we're getting New 52 Superman. True. Yeah. I mean the <laughs> – so I'm excited about Reign of the Superman. I'm excited, excited about seeing Steel. I'm excited about seeing Eradicator. I'm excited about seeing Cyborg Superman. And because Green Lantern's involved, maybe we get to blow up Coast City. Kind of yeah. excited about that. And we get to see Superboy. Now, the my biggest concern is that it does appear that it's going to be a new 52 Superboy design. And I think that's a huge mistake. I agree. And, I'm, and don't get me wrong. I, I am – totally aware that the Superboy design is very 90s. But, you know, I think, that, I think that could be explained. Well, and I think that you could update it a little bit. I think the, it, I, I, the the reason why I say it's a big mistake is it's already an abandoned design. It was a bad design from the jump, and they've already abandoned it, right? I mean, because Superboy's not a thing right now in, in the new 52. Yeah. He doesn't, have it, he doesn't have his own book. I think he's dead. I, I, I mean, I don't. He is. I actually don't yeah. know now that you mention it. I, I, I don't either because it's been so long since you know I've seen him. But I, I, I want to say I think he died in the pages of Teen Titans or Titans, whatever. Yeah, the I think he called. did die. Now that you mention yeah. it. But uh, I mean, it's an abandoned design because it was a shitty design. Yeah. Um, the '90s design is very iconic and yes, very dated. But I think you could take the basis of that and update it for today. But 
you know that I don't I don't see that DC animated features create brand. So I don't think they're going to do that. They're going to go either either or. And didn't I? I'm, I'm am I am I just am I misremembering that you know we don't actually see the clone in this film, but we see th- like the abandoned tube. Did we see him take a jacket? Did we see him we do did. that? We did see him take okay. a jacket. So maybe there's some kind of thing there. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, I'm excited to see Reign of the Superman. It is a three-part story, right? Two. Two parts, not three. Ah, too bad. Yeah, that, too that, bad. yeah it, we're, we're going to get, you know, they're, they're going to jam in the, the second, the, the Reign the of the Superman part. and the, uh, the Return of Superman. Yeah. Because, boy, I'd be all down for, uh, for uh, three. So yeah, but uh, you know what? They did a good job. Um, yeah, they they you know I'm 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 glad I bought it. I got to be honest. Part of me was tempted to not purchase it mm-hmm. because I was like, I know they're going to release a deluxe edition like they did with the the Batman, the sure. Dark Knight Returns. But yeah, yeah. I went ahead and did it because it well, came with the digital code and and that's probably when I'll buy it on disc. Yeah, you know, is when they when they come out with that. But. Uh, yeah, I, I did. I really dug it. I recommend it. Big thumbs up. Again, a solid B plus in my opinion. Agreed. Uh, things that that I, I I could see improving, but by and large, really enjoyable film. Well, so let's talk about the other big new comic book thing that happened this week. Fantastic Four have returned after years, years. Well, hold on. The years. Fantastic Four comic book has returned after <laughs> years of not being published. Uh, Dan Slott on the uh, art or on the writing, Sarah Pacelli and Simone Bianchi and Scotty Young on art. Uh, you know, big new release, Fantastic Four number one. Aaron, what did you think? Can I first say uh, that I found the. Uh, dedication and memorial to Steve Ditko, very surprising in this book, in that it was three pages long. I was kind of surprised about that, too, considering they they, they haven't done something of that length before. For anybody. No. I mean, not, not when Jack died, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm just was really surprised, and I loved it. My only, my only uh, thing that that I would complain about is how comicsology did it. Um, they didn't apply any of the guided view to those pages. No. And they're, and they're text actually pages, re- you know? Well, and they, but they've got, you know, comic images, you know, from Dr. Strange and from Spider-Man. And I mean, it would have been nice to have, have the comics, even if it just zoomed into the full page to have that zoom in, as opposed to you having to, to push and pull on it. Um, uh, but I did really like it. And again, I'll go back to my earlier complaint about how Comixology does this. Anytime that there's, you know, text, I wish they'd zoom on, zoom in on that as well, particularly when you've got it in columns. You know, you could have brought in, you know, it was the work that mattered, you know, statement and bring that in as, as a zoom in as opposed to just, you know, print, the, you know, do the whole page and not apply any, any guided view technology to it. Yeah. Um, it bugs me. But that said, I, way to go, Marvel. I, you know, I love Steve Ditko. I miss Steve Ditko. Uh, I am saddened by his loss, and I am just, just super surprised to see a three-page tribute to him. Yeah, I, and, I, I, I and, think, and there's no complaints. It's just rather surprising. Yeah, yeah no, i and and I love it. I think that I think that's just terrific. So, into the book, um, for the most part. 
I really enjoyed the artwork in this book. Really? But there, yeah, but there are a couple of places that it bugs the hell out of me. Like the family picture of the Fantastic Four and uh, uh, the two kids. Yeah. Um, Reed is drawn like a weasel. Yeah. I mean, he looks like a super creeper. <laughs> I mean, look at that. I mean, he's got he's got this, you know, pointy sort of face and uh, sort of gargoyle like ears and sharp teeth. I mean, he looks like a murderer. Oh, well, maybe he is. Uh, maybe, maybe Reed Richards murderer. Uh, yeah, for the most part, there there are pages that I really enjoy the way uh, Ben Grimm, the thing is drawn. And then other pages, I don't like how he's drawn at all. I feel like the artwork's a little uneven, but for the most part, I really enjoyed it, except every page with the human torch flamed on. I didn't care at all for how the human torch was drawn. Agreed. I, I you know, I think... I think the art was uneven. I would give it that. Yeah. There were some pages that came out great. There were some pages that were, were not so good. Um, and for a first issue, and I like Sarah Pacelli, but I don't know. Something about you? the art just didn't connect with me a, I, as much I, as I wanted it to. I felt like she drew every woman on the page fantastic. I love the way she drew Alicia. I love the way she drew Medusa and Crystal, um, the news, re- the uh, the anchor woman, uh, Susan uh, Richards. You know, I mean, I all of that. Um, but I there were some of the the male heroes that boy, I, I just felt like it missed. But you know, I, I, like I said, the artwork worked for me for the most part. There were just some things I didn't care for her take on the character. Yeah. Well, so what about the story itself? So, you know, the story is, and, you know, if you have read the current uh, iteration of Marvel 2-on-1 featuring uh, uh, Ben Grimm and Johnny Storm, they have been looking for, you know, uh, Reed and Sue. Of course, you know, Ben knows that they're dead. He's known that all along. And, you know, but he's doing it for Johnny because Johnny just he didn't feel like Johnny was in an emotional place that he could sustain the fact that there was no hope that these guys are dead. Um, And so without having resolved that storyline in Marvel two and one, we are now back in in the pages of Fantastic Four. Number one returned from their journey. So, you know, these two things are not happening you know, simultaneously, right? They're they're not in the same continuity. So we're a little ahead in the future in comparison to what's going on in Marvel 2 and 1. Um, And that story has all resolved, apparently. Um, But, you know, it appears to have resolved without Johnny ever having been told the truth. And he finds out the truth, according to Ben Grimm, Ben Grimm's truth, as it were, that uh, they're all dead. Dead, Paul. They're dead. Um, <laughs> D-E-D, dead. Yeah, and so we get to deal with that. Some things that I really liked about the book, Paul, is the return of Wyatt Wingfoot. I've always liked Wyatt Wingfoot. Yeah. Uh, you know, Johnny's Johnny's pal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I dug that. I dug that we got to see former teammates, you know, former uh, members of the Fantastic Four. So we get to see Jennifer Walters, a.k.a. She-Hulk, though we never get to see her as She-Hulk in the pages of the book. Uh, we get to see, you know, Luke Cage. We get to see Crystal. We get to see Medusa. It was fun seeing those characters. Um, I, I liked the tip of the hat to the history. Uh, and I will say, uh, I think Dan Slott does a really good job of being respectful of what's come before. We get a retelling of the origin, and thank God it wasn't a 22-page retelling of the origin. It was about a page long. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed that. Um I enjoyed that it wasn't a wild deviation 
from the origin. Um, I appreciated that as well. Um, I like where it put Ben and Alicia. There was a moment in the book that I just really felt like, ah, oh, crap, you know, it's going to, it's going to break Ben and Alicia up again. And it looks like we're not because Ben proposes to Alicia. Um, uh, that was, a, that was a great, great thing. I will tell you as, as strong as the book was in paying homage to the, uh, to what's come before in the Fantastic Four, there is a page where uh, a couple of Yancey Streeters, a couple, a couple of punk kids from Yancey Street, steal a Fantastic Four flare gun. And they shoot the flare up, which of course leads everybody in New York City to believe that the Fantastic Four is back. What ticks me off about those pages is that it launches a flare up into the sky that does not light up the traditional fantastic four flare it uh, it writes in the sky like a like a like a plane would skywrite fantastic four the fantastic flare Is was always the number four and i'm like what the fuck i found that yeah i did find that weird um i was like huh that's uh that's an unusual choice yeah well and and i mean number one it's ridiculous and number two what the hell yeah how hard is it to get that right you know, that it just writes the number four up there. Uh, I, that, that ticked me off. But what I so, you know, this this book touts itself as reuniting the Fantastic Four because, you know, Reed and Sue have been out of the books for a really long time after the Fantastic Four died at, at the end of Secret Wars. Um, died in quotes now. Yeah, right. Ben went on to Guardians of the Galaxy and as a member of the Avengers. Um, actually, it was Avengers before Secret Wars. Um, but, you know, he went on to do Guardians of the Galaxy and he's he's guested in some books. Uh, I forget what Johnny did, but they've both been around, right? He's in the, the Inhumans. That's right. That's right. And with a new costume design. Yeah. And uh, and I like that costume design, by the way. Um so, you know, we, we have seen those guys, but, you know, this book touted to get everybody back together, and that doesn't happen in the pages of, these, of this book. And what I found what, – what, what I found really satisfying about that was the Impossible Man short at the end of the book where the Impossible Man is complaining about getting an issue one that doesn't put them all together. You know, being the voice of the reader uh, and bitching about it, and I was like, okay. You acknowledged my pain. Yeah. <laughs> I I, I got to tell you, that really took the sting out. Um, I, I, I dug this book a lot, Paul, despite the, my problems with the artwork. And again, it's it's weird to say that about Sarah Pacelli because I really do like her artwork. But uh, I, I felt like some of her, her character design choices uh, weren't working for me. But other than that, I, I liked it. And I like Dan Slott's take on the characters. What did you think about the Doctor Doom backup? Uh, well, you know, so... Um, at the end of infamous Iron Man, Doctor Doom loses his looks, right? Yeah, and uh, you know retreats to uh, Castle Doom, um, and that's where we find him in this book. Because again, what's going on in Marvel Two and One, where Doctor Doom is uh, is uh, a supporting character there and still has his looks there. This is all taking place, you know, uh, after those events. Um, I liked it. I like that we're getting back to Dr. Doom being the Lord of, of Latveria. I liked it. How about you? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I liked it, but it also makes me sad. You know, I, I, I genuinely enjoyed the infamous Iron Man run. I, I yeah. wish, 
you know what what that red what this red like is you know just getting back to status quo and you know to a certain extent it's been so long since we've seen the fantastic four i'm fine with getting a little bit back to the status quo and the iconic nature of the story you know then you know the the, uh the core concept of these characters uh so i guess i'm okay with it but um yeah i mean but i didn't get the i didn't get the feeling that he's back to being a villain now Doom is, you know, is really comfortable with strong arm tactics around people. And I'm sure that that's going to come in conflict with the Fantastic Four. But I'm hoping that some of the things that he learned as infamous Iron Man, uh, you know, hold true in these pages. So I've got my fingers crossed for that. Me too. Me too. So will you be picking up next issue? Oh, fuck. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Despite the fact that I was unhappy with some of the art choices, everything else in the book worked for me. I really did enjoy this book. Uh, we didn't buy a lot of comics this week, um, but the the comics that I read, I was pretty happy with. Uh, and I was really happy with Fantastic Four. And I, I think it was a strong number one. Uh, I was a little annoyed by the cover price, but, uh, you know, I, I felt like it was a strong number one. I, I did not feel cheated out of my money at all. I was I'm, I'm glad to see them back. Yeah, I enjoyed the Ditko Memorial. I felt like I got to pay for that. <laughs> yeah. um, I enjoyed the the core book itself, and I enjoyed that Impossible Man uh, backup. So and it was good stuff. Yeah. It was good stuff. I, I thought it was well done. I wish Marvel would launch all of its number ones as effectively. Yeah, I wish they would launch them at a cover price less than $6, but, you know. Same here. Same here. But, you know, the nice thing is, is, you know, as a Comixology Unlimited subscriber – I got like 98 cents off on that. So I I only paid like five bucks. So only, only. So anyway, good stuff. So Paul, what's coming out next week? Tell me, Paul, tell me, scry the future for me, Mr. Psychic man. Well, next week you can expect new issues of magic order from Mark Miller. Um, I'm looking forward to that, particularly with all of the hot orgy sex depicted on the cover. Yeah, I did catch that. (laughs) Uh, Justice League uh, from Scott Snyder and Jorge Jimenez. I know you're not a fan. Uh, Lost City Explorers, which I recently picked up as a book from Aftershock Comics. And I I picked it up because it's been optioned for, I believe, either a television show or a movie. And I've read the first issue and I enjoyed it. So I'm I'm, going to check out issue two uh, and the third issue comes out next week again that's lost city explorers from aftershock comics and, and along those lines i think magic order has already been optioned by netflix oh yeah i think that happened before it even uh, came out and uh, and along those lines do you watch the magicians paul uh i do not so it is a sci-fi series mm-hmm. uh that i believe has had three seasons i could be wrong i know it's had at least two because two are streaming on netflix now i started watching that friday morning because i couldn't sleep um, and so it was like 2 a.m. and I started watching it and I burned through the whole first season. Really like that show. It's like a really grown like up, sexy Harry Potter kind of thing. Right? It is exactly what it is. It, it, it is very much, you know, take take Harry Potter and cram in Narnia. And uh, it is it is that for college age kids hmm. uh, versus, you know, uh, secondary education kids. So I, I dug it. I dug a big thumbs up. And I'm looking forward to watching season two. Well, and one more thing I want to mention is that Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Gatos, the the guys who created, uh, you know, uh, Alias, that Jessica Jones series, uh, are launching the first new title from Jinx World under the DC banner uh, called Pearl. I saw that. Uh, yes. I saw that. 
So yeah, and it actually looks interesting. I've never there's not been much in Jinx World that's ever interested me in the past, but uh, that actually looks pretty good. And it's it's a four dollar cover price for issue one instead of a sixteen ninety nine cover price like it's a right. it's a Marvel book. So I'll give it a shot. <laughs> All that and more next week. Very good. Well, you know, if you'd like to tell us what you thought of anything we talked about today or ask us a question or tell us to just go to hell, uh, give us a call at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up at Ideology Madness on Twitter IOM Geek on Facebook or IOM Geek on Instagram. Very good. Well, and hey, if you're not, if if you you're like, hey, what the hell happened to my funny books last week? Just remember, we have other feeds, and so uh, right now on our Star Trek with Aaron and Polly feed, we talked about all the news that came out of. Uh, Las Vegas 2018, the big Star Trek convention. So lots of Star Trek news that we talked about there. Paul is filling up the Four Hauntsmen uh, feed with all of his uh, Four Haunting uh, co-hosts. And, uh, you know, so so look for a, a fresh episode there. And, uh, of course, we'll be back next week with all your comic news. Thanks, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.